listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on L.A. Talk Radio. Welcome to The Art of Love. My name is Lucia. I'm your host and a dating and relationship expert, and I'm here to entertain, educate, and enlighten you about love, dating, and relationships, take your live calls, answer your emails, and speak to authors of books which I find interesting. And as usual, of course, I have another interesting book this week to discuss, The Real Reasons Men Commit. Not the fake reasons, the real reasons. But uh, before I tell you about that, I want to let you know that I now have a web TV show on Mingle Media TV Network. And that started last uh, Wednesday. I don't know if any of you were able to join me for that. And my first guest was someone who had been on the radio show. In fact, those will be the guests that I will also have on the web TV show. And it was a Ish Major MD. He uh, wrote a book called Little White Wise. And we discussed how to tell men were um, not telling the truth. So you can find the link to that on, of course, my website, theartoflove.net. You will see the uh, banner for Mingle Media TV. Go there and um, click Blip TV on the right-hand side when you get to the Mingle Media page. And uh, you will see my first episode. And I will have another episode coming up this Wednesday live from uh, the comfort of my home. <laughs> and that is at 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And the people in the middle will just have to figure it out what the rest of the time is. <laughs> okay, so let me bring on my first guest. And we are going to talk about how to figure out if a guy is ready for a commitment. So welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So I have on the phone with me Kimberly Dawn Newman, who is a popular New York City-based dating, sex, relationship, and health fitness writer, who has also worked extensively on Broadway in such shows as Ragtime, A Chorus Line, and Annie Get Your Gun a summa cum laude graduate of the University of Maryland School of Journalism. Her writing work has appeared in numerous publications, including Cosmo, Red Book, Marie Claire, Health, Fitness, Maxim, and online for MSN, AOL, Match.com. So she's just as busy as I am. And, uh, and by the way, also, there's a second writer to the book. We don't have him with us today, and that was Joel D. Block. Uh, he's a psychologist. And uh, I think you had you also wanted to add something, Kimberly? Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, in addition to that, I just recently launched DatingDivaDaily.com, which is a female empowering blog zine for women on the dating meet and greet scene and put a lot of work into it. So if people are looking for dating advice on, on the web, um, it's become a really fun go-to place and there's all kinds of places you can write and ask questions and whatnot. So people would like to check out datingdivadaily.com. I'm really proud of it. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, and otherwise, uh, the site for the book is, of course, realreasonsmencommit.com. So how did you come to write this book? You know, it was really interesting. I've been a dating relationship writer for about eight years, and I was doing some work for Cosmopolitan Magazine, and Dr. Joel Block, the co-author on this, had contacted them about wanting a co-author with a female perspective and the more current magazine, you know, fun, flirty tone and voice. So uh, one of my editors had recommended me as someone who might be able to give the book viability and balance as well as a couple other writers. And I met with Dr. Block. I sent my info to the publishers and I ended up getting the book deal, which it was great. It was a step in a new direction for me. I had been approached about writing books before, but it wasn't quite the right fit or the content that I was interested in, and this really seemed to be a good fit. 
So that's how it happened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, what were you doing over at Cosmo? That's like my Bible. Oh, yeah. You know, isn't this a fun magazine? We love reading yeah. Cosmo. <laughs> I can't wait till I get mine every single month. I'm still hoping that someday I get the cover, but no. I know. We all want that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Well, maybe we could do a tandem one. Let's work on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I have uh, written quite a few pieces for them. It was funny because I started with a couple of innocuous pieces, some smaller blurbs, and then I had written a piece on finding happiness, um, surprising ways that you can find happiness in your life. And my mom was so proud about this one, and I was too. I'd wanted to write for that magazine forever, and she was showing everyone. But then the next month, I landed 101 Sex Tricks to Try Before You Die. Wow, wow. (laughs) She didn't tell anybody that that one was running. Right, right, right. (laughs) Cool. But, um, yeah, it was, it was great. I was really happy to write for them and, uh, you know, would hope to continue to do so in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll probably still be reading it when I'm 70, you know, even though it won't apply oh, to me. I hope, I hope so. I hope <laughs> I'm looking for that kind of information. It's not doing something wrong. <laughs> oh, no. So, okay. But so I was going to add in, when, when writing this book, what was so interesting about this, too, is that, you know, it's the real reasons men commit and when I started writing the book, I was actually in a relationship that I was 100% sure was it. Uh-oh. I mean, this was it. <laughs> Man, this was, this was the one I was going to be with for the rest of my life. And then some major issues surfaced, Uh-oh. and wow, the rug was pulled out. And I spent the second half of the book crying for an hour, <laughs> writing for an hour, oh. crying for an hour, writing for an hour. Right. And, yeah, I had to leave him, and it just broke my heart. But as a result, uh, I think the book actually turned out a lot better. Right, (laughs) yes. One of those horrible ironies of life, I guess. But um, and he's well represented throughout the entire second half of it. In case anyone's wondering, oh. <laughs> <laughs> names change, situations change. But you know, I mean, that kind of thing obviously influences your your life when it happens. And, and it was just kind of ironic that I was working on this, right. the real reasons men commit, thinking I was working and moving towards commitment in my own life, and then ended up in a situation where it didn't happen, which gave me a lot of perspective. Yeah, little did you know. Um, so were there, looking back then on that relationship, were there things in the beginning that you saw that you didn't think were problems that you later became the problem? Yes. You know, it's interesting how retrospect is a beautiful thing. <laughs> you look back and there, you, women make decisions when you're in relationships. Well, I'm sure men do it as well. But we decide what we can live with and what we can't live with. And some of the flags that may have been waving for me at that point, I decided, well, you know what, I can let go of that because I'm getting this so strongly. And, you know, it's it's interesting when you look back, and I read over some of my journals when you're trying to heal from that kind of breakup, and I'm like, wow, I pegged that one in April, and it took me till October to figure it out, you know? Mm. <laughs> wow. So what's the difference between how men and women view commitment? This is an interesting question. I love that one. You know, to men... Typically, it signifies the end of freedom for them. I mean, obviously, I'm speaking in generalizations here always, but they tend to see it as, okay, you know, now I've acquired the ball and chain and I've given up my ability to go out and hang with the boys. And that may not actually be what happens, but they sort of have this perception that the minute that they commit, that's the road they're heading down. Mm -hmm. Ironically, on the flip side, to women, commitment is not the end of freedom, it's actually the definition of it. Mm-hmm. Women to equate security and knowing that they have a partner on whom they can count as very liberating, you know, and, and I understand it's sort of like we have these checklists, these to-do lists, and it's like, oh, got the partner, okay, check that off, yes. relief. <laughs> right, I know, it's like now we don't have to, when you're in a relationship, you don't have to go out uh, with your friends invite you and they go, oh, come, you know, come down to this event. There's, there might be some hot guys there, and you feel obligated to go because it's like, well, I have to go because I still have to find the one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if I'm not in it, I can't win it, and all of those little mind games that we do to ourselves, you know, and think that I've got to put myself out there if I'm going to find Mr. Right. And, you know, so it's when you're in a relationship, then there's suddenly that security that you're like, oh, phew, okay, I don't have to worry about that part anymore, and I can focus on other things. Yeah, exactly. So then you um, coined a term that I had never heard before, which I think is brilliant, and that is vulnerophobia. So what is that? 
Thank you. I thought that was a stroke of brilliance when it came to me, too. <laughs> I'm way into morphing words, and this one just sort of put it together and actually became the crux of the book. Um, the idea, in a nutshell, about what makes a man commit is that vulnerophobia is a fear of feeling vulnerable. And nowhere are people more vulnerable, really, than when they're putting their heart and emotions on the line by entering into an intimate relationship. I mean, the reality is you do that and you could get crushed, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So it obviously there's a huge amount of vulnerability in intimate relationships. And most people understand this going into that. But there's this added layer that Men are socialized not to appear or like feeling vulnerable for the most part. And this is from the time that they're very young, you know, as little boys. It's frequently like you see on maybe a sports field or something. If a little boy takes a hit, you're like, you're fine, shake it off, you know, and they're not supposed to have tears or feel vulnerable or express emotion. Where if the little girl took a tumble, she would likely be cuddled and allowed to cry. And, you know, so as a result of this early socialization, Women, of course, again, there are exceptions, but for the most part, women are better able to handle emotions and feelings that make them feel vulnerable, um, where, you know, men would probably, most of them, rather take a bullet in the face <laughs> than look weak. You know, <laughs> it's like, man down! <laughs> um, so so the, the idea of vulnerophobia as it relates to commitment is the man who is willing to commit is the one who has recognized that he's going to perhaps feel a little uncomfortable about being vulnerable to a woman, especially a woman um, whom he cares about, but that he's willing to deal with that discomfort because he recognizes the love and the care and the security that he's getting in return are worth that risk and worth, worth that feeling and discomfort. So in other words, he's, he's able to face down his vulnerophobia and come out on the other side of it stronger and lucky for the woman as part of a couple. Right. So maybe it's not even the commitment that um, it's not the commitment that's a problem, meaning that <clears throat> if he didn't have to feel vulnerable, then guys would uh, find it easier to commit. Agreed. Absolutely. And that was kind of the, the baseline of this book. Unfortunately, they may not even recognize that it's the vulnerability that's prohibiting them from commitment. Ah. It, you know, it, sometimes it could be very um, layered and hidden and, and it's because it's something that's so innate and ingrained in how they've, they've grown up that they may not even recognize those feelings until they're just running the other direction because they're like, wait, what is this? I don't like this feeling. I've got to get out of here. <laughs> right, right. Now, would you agree that um, most men, they don't think about commitment until they meet a woman that they're so into that they, that they actually, that's when they start to think about it? I'm going to say not completely. I think that there are a lot of, of, factors that go into what influences commitment. Um, they may actually be completely crazy about a woman, but if they don't feel secure in their career or if none of their friends are coupled up, mm. they may not be as ready to commit. I mean, there is definitely a situational aspect when it comes to, I mean, we're discussing long-term commitment and yeah. marriage here right. more than just, you know, hanging out or girlfriend. Um, so while the right woman is obviously part of it, and we all want to believe we're the right woman, mm -hmm. <laughs> that we can change someone and make it happen when we're in that situation, um, that women need to be aware that the right timing in the right setup and the right situation is also a factor. And the other interesting thing is that um, men still wish to believe that this is a decision that they make by themselves. You know, they may be influenced by all these outside things, but when it comes to commitment, it's kind of one of those last frontiers. They mm -hmm. want to believe that they made the decision to commit. Right. And I remember this with my brother. I remember he's married, and I remember when he was thinking of proposing, he didn't want outside influence. He didn't want people telling him. You know, it was, it was his decision, and he did it, and he found the ring, and he did it all. And it was an interesting, uh, eye-opening experience for me to watch how he was planning it all out when it came to that point. Yeah. Um, and what about men over 40? You know, because everyone says, well, if a guy's over 40 and never been married, then he's probably never going to get married. What do you think about that? I think that's kind of a gross generalization. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, people mature at different rates. People are getting married later in this day and age. 
um, the reality is that you may have a bigger challenge blending your lifestyle with a man if he's, especially if he's really actually lived alone for that many years, because you'll both be set in your ways. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little more of a challenge if you're both independent and used to having your stuff around and things where you like it. That right. may be a little more of a challenge, but I don't think it means that he'll be less likely to to commit in, you know, in the same way that a woman over 40 doesn't want to be told that there's something wrong with her or that she's desperate. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, um, I think that would go in the same direction. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of guys are waiting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're working on their careers and they have other focuses. And, you know, I mean, unfortunately, there is that biological clock thing that gets in the, you know, mix for women and men don't have that. And, you know, and I don't think it necessarily makes a woman desperate. I mean, God bless um, Kelly, you know, Preston for um, getting pregnant at 47, Mm, you know, so if someone wants that as an option, there are medical interventions and whatnot. But I don't think that it should necessarily be looked at as, you know, that um, there's something wrong with a man, there's something wrong with a woman, there's desperation. It's just we have a shifting landscape, I think, when it comes to coupling up. Yeah, we definitely do that. Um, okay, what about, you mentioned the term of uh, approach avoidance, and this is a right. conflict that men experience with women. So what is that? You know, it's interesting. Um, approach avoidance is it's sort of tied into this whole vulnerophobia idea, but it's actually that when a man gets involved with someone that they dig, they may find themselves having conversations with themselves, you know, <laughs> yes, in sort of the crazy-making way, actually. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and it goes something like, oh, my God, I love being with her, but. And that but is the scared little seven-year-old boy who suddenly pops up in the facade of a grown man. And this ties in with the idea that there, men, um, by and large, tend to be more lost when it comes to emotions in romantic areas than women, just, again, because of socialization and being able to face vulnerability and whatnot. So when it comes to love, they're actually at a real disadvantage. Um, and they may find themselves confused and trying to suss out what to do next. And in that confusion, the approach avoidance, they're like, I get closer, then I got to pull back and... In that confusion, they actually may choose to bolt and run away rather than take a relationship to the next level, even if it has awesome potential, just because they're not sure what to do or how to handle their own feelings. And so running away may seem like the easier option. Mm. Yeah, in fact, I've found, um, you know, speaking to a lot of married couples, that usually before they got married, they actually broke up. Because the guy right. did, did, the guy didn't want to get married, and the woman said, "Okay, fine, I'm out here." And then the guy finally came around. You know, it's so interesting, and I'm going to totally agree with you on that one. It suddenly takes the woman going, "Okay, you know what? I'm out of here," and then they go, "Oh my God, wait a minute, I miss her." Yeah. <laughs> and then I really miss her, and then suddenly they have the light goes on, and they're willing to face their their emotions and vulnerability because they realize that their life has become emptier without her presence. Yeah, you know, uh, unfortunately, it's something that women find hard to do because they think, well, no, I'm going to stick around, I'm going to stay here, and you know, by seeing me, then he'll eventually want to marry me. And meanwhile, it's the total opposite. They have to like leave, and then that's when he finally decides, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> And it's so hard, and thank God for our girlfriends and Ben and Jerry's and Kleenex and <laughs> all those things that are in the mix when you do make the decision to walk away. I mean, and the thing that has to precipitate that kind of decision as well is so hard for a woman to come to, but you have to decide, okay, I'm willing to lose this. You have to say what I really want and standing up for your own needs is saying, I, I want this commitment, and if he's not going to give it to me, I have to value myself enough to be willing to walk away from it. Ironically, that may be the exact moment he comes back, but if not, you have to accept, okay, I made this decision for my own sanity. Yeah, exactly, because it's probably going to end anyways because if you have different uh, goals. That's right. Not- and I think that's really important for women to define as well. I mean, when it comes to commitment, you need to define what you think commitment is and what is it. Is it the end game, walking down the aisle with a ring, or are you okay truly okay with something not as formalized. I mean, a lot of women don't think, you know, to the extent of what can I live with, what can I not live with, what does commitment mean to me? And that's really important to have clarity on when it comes to the point of entering a romantic relationship. 
Um, yeah, and also you, you said something which I thought was really interesting. You said guys expect women to be loyal almost from the moment they meet them. Like, what is that all about? Yeah, you know, um, men want women to, they, they want to be able to play the field, but they want to know that a woman is there when they want them. Mm. You know, and then they, I think that they, again, would probably, they're feeling vulnerable if suddenly they think the woman is not there and in their camp, and then they hate that feeling, too. So, right. you know, they, they it goes to a little bit of the alpha male, but they, they expect the loyalty. They assume it's going to be there, and then if not, they're like, well, whatever. What is her problem? You know, I'm worth it without recognizing that it could go both ways. We might like them to be loyal from the moment they meet us, too, um, but it, it impinges on their freedom to think they have to be loyal, but they would want us to afford them that uh, commitment and feeling. Yeah, because I find it interesting how many guys will call or text, you know, like at 7, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock on a Friday, Saturday night, thinking that you're just going to be sitting there ready to go. Exactly. And, you know, and I, even though I know all of these things, and I'm sure you do as well, too, it doesn't mean that we don't do it. I caught myself doing that recently Uh-oh. in a situation where a guy was texting me at, at like 7 o'clock on a Friday, and I'm responding, and then I'm thinking, what am I doing, you know? <laughs> and I don't believe in games, but it's the reality of the situation is that even though we study and write and read about this, the heart is an imperfect science. It really is. And once those feelings and emotions get involved, you have to recognize that, logic and and everything that we've studied and and understand can even go out the window in your own case. Right. Oh, tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I am just as guilty as, you know, the next person, and I recognize that because it really is hard. When your heart gets involved, you you start making excuses. You start allowing things to happen (laughs) that you might not have allowed otherwise them to get away with. And that ties into... um, you know, the idea of pathological empathy, which was something you had um, asked me about the free pass idea. Mm. And uh, I think that it's it's so like women to make excuses for men or allow them to make excuses for their poor behavior. Um, and in, in the book, we termed this, we coined this term, rather, uh, pathological empathy. And it's a condition at which many women are very, very skilled. Yes. Um, and again, I'm going to put myself in that category of a PE. Uh, it's just, it, it says, um, you know, that you are making excuses for everything he does. It's taking that poor baby, he needs understanding thing just completely over the top, you know. And if you can catch yourself saying things like, he wants to commit, but he just needs time, he doesn't call because he's so busy with work, what you're doing is you're actually enabling his tendency for commitment avoidance because he doesn't have to commit. You're making every excuse in the book for him as mm-hmm. to why it's fine for him to stay right where he is. Right. Yeah, and I think that's when girlfriends come in because you'll give them those excuses and they'll be like, listen, that's what you said about the last yeah. guy. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's so important to have that reflection in that circle of women who can look at it and be like, do you hear yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a friend call me out recently with a guy that I was dating, and I had been making the same excuse for months about, well, he's not that long out of a, a serious relationship. She's like, how long are we going to keep saying that? It's been quite a while. I was like, oh, interesting point, right, pathological empath, guilty. <laughs> yeah. You know, but sometimes it's take someone else to be the mirror and and throw it back at you and you're like oh right that I'm doing that again yeah well what I usually get is um you know my friends will say listen you need to write a letter to yourself (laughs) (laughs) and that's really good I know and I but I refuse to because I was you know going through something last year and um, several friends said that you know you need to write to yourself and I'm like no Right. Well, yeah, it's so interesting because we dig in our heels, too. And I actually think it's important that you recognize that and I recognize that. I think it's great because what it does is it makes us realize that even the people that are the so-called experts, we understand what happens mm. when you get into the situation. So we can go along and espouse, well, you need to do this and you need to leave the person immediately. And you know what? Nothing's that cut and dry. You can say it. You can, you can advise it and say from where I'm standing, this is what it looks like. But the person has to be willing to do it themselves and at that point where they're willing to walk. 
Yeah. The funny thing is that it's like, you know, when you see it written down, like, he'll, here's the situation, I'm dating this guy, blah, blah, blah. It's so evident. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I, the other line that my friends love to use with me are like, well, if you were counseling you uh-huh. or if you were coaching you, what would you say about this situation? And I'm like, dadgummit, do you have to do that to me? Yes, I know. I know. We're in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, I know exactly what I'd say to me, but I don't want to hear that from me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so what then? What are some things that a guy will say when he's not ready for a commitment? Um, well, if he's, you know, actions speak louder than words yes. is really what it comes down to. So he could say anything. I mean, okay. if a man is looking for just a relationship that is sex-based, mm-hmm. um, He's going to be, you know, ogling other women even when he's with you. He's going to want sex when he wants it. He may, you know, do things that are not indicative of wanting to be in a committed relationship. Um, You know, if you're out with a guy, however, and say it's like a first date or something, and he's mentioning things about, you know, I find commitment so limiting or I find that, when I'm, um, you know, in a relationship, I never get to do what I want to do or, uh, you know, things like anything that indicates him being afraid of being hurt, anything that indicates he might fear losing control, because that goes along with the idea of the, the fear and the vulnerability and that he's not in control of his emotions or mm. anything that might indicate he has a fear of responsibility mm. is giving you a clear sign that he's probably a a commitment risk you know um a guy that's more concerned with his own freedom is not likely to be emotionally available enough to be in a committed relationship Mm -hmm. um and so then do you have any other signs um that a guy is only looking for sex yeah, you know, I mean, well, aren't guys always just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> just kidding. Um, well, let's see. You know, I think that uh, a guy looking for sex, you know, like I said, the idea is they're willing to look at other women and ogle other women when they're with you, that's pretty clear that you're being objectified and your needs are not being paid attention to. I have a personal story of I was out on a date and this guy was flirting the entire time with a gal over my shoulder. Wow. I was like, what is going on? I like to think I'm pretty engaging and sort of attractive, and what is happening here, you know? And at one point, he left me to go to the restroom and actually introduced himself to this other woman. Oh. On the way to the bathroom. And then, later, he was shocked that I didn't want to go home with him. And I was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) What a surprise. Yeah, so, um, but other signs that a guy is just in it for sex, he's... He wants sex when he wants it. He doesn't care what your needs are, libido-wise. Um, he always has an excuse to delay the exclusivity talk. So you don't know who else he might be getting it on with. Um, and if you've been together for a long time and he's still not lofting around the, the L word, you know, then that's pretty clear that you're in a, a position of him enjoying mm-hmm. the convenience of companionship and, um, but not really being ready to move it towards an emotionally intimate relationship rather than just a physical one. Right. Um, and also, obviously, if he tries to have sex right away, that's always a big red flag. Yeah. If we first date and he's trying to drag you home, you got it. <laughs> drag you. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously it happens, and there are stories of couples that sleep together on the first date, but that if that's his entire reason for the evening and he keeps pushing for it and then it happens and you don't hear from him, you really can't be surprised um, if, you, if you've gone along to it. Now, hopefully you got something out of it, but if not and you're disappointed, you know, that sucks, but it's a reality that if he's really, really pushing, that's a pretty big red flag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you suggest not playing hard to get. Why is that? Yeah, you know, this definitely um, goes back to the idea of vulnerophobia. And it's not per se that you shouldn't play hard to get at all, but I would say you don't want to play hard to get for too long. It's more about time frame. I mean, because basically, if we go back to the basic tenets of vulnerophobia that we discussed, um, when you play hard to get, there's sort of a 
tipping point, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Women definitely need to be careful because when playing hard to get initially, that can intrigue a man and launch him into competitive, you know, caveman mode. She will like me and I will win her, (laughs) you know, and that can actually intrigue him Mm -hmm. and get him to pursue, which their, their hunter instinct comes out, I guess, for lack of a better word. But if you take this little attraction game too far, at some point, he's going to start feeling vulnerable instead of powerful. So when that happens, his vulnerophobia will kick in, and if we recall, men don't typically like feeling vulnerable, and if you're playing too hard to get, he'll reach the point where they just, you know, they start to question themselves. And if you really like them at all, and they like you, they may start to feel insecure, though, and give up if you you take it out a little too hard. So go ahead, make it a challenge, Mm -hmm. but don't make it impossible, and you've got to give a little encouragement or they'll just be like, all right, this is not working and I feel insecure and out. So you're saying then along with the uh, playing hard to get, then also you encourage at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a good idea that, you know, you don't have to give them like a carte blanche, but giving a little encouragement or letting them know that you do find them attractive or that there is possibility here mm-hmm. if they keep playing it right. Right, right, <laughs> you know? yes, play your cards I mean, you right. Gotta it. it's, it's figuring out your little game and your MO. I mean, I hate using the word game because I don't like to think of relationships as games. Yeah. But using your MO and your way of encouraging them and being like, well, you know, you're doing a good job so far, so let's see if you can keep it up and who knows. You know, I mean, just little flirtatious ways of encouraging them to keep at it. Unless you really have no interest in them, at which point you should be, you know, <laughs> you should nip it and not lead the person on. Right. Or depending on the guy, at which point he'll love you even more. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, <laughs> I've had those too. God knows. Yeah, I have a couple of them. And I'm like, oh, what do I have to do to make this person go away? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And ironically, it's never the one that you no. want to pursue you that way. <laughs> of course not. God forbid it should ever be the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> the day that lines up, I guess that's when the real commitment happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so then there's also the guy who is willing to make the commitment, but, you know, he's also willing to cheat. Um, do we have any signs for those kind of guys? Um, yeah, you know, a guy that is invested in his girlfriend will he'll not only tell her that she's beautiful, he'll make her feel beautiful by giving her love and support and the things that she needs to shine. So a guy that, you know, says he's willing to commit and seems like he's willing to commit and he's, you know, maybe buying her all kinds of amazing things, that may seem like, oh, okay, he's really into me. But that also could just be grandstanding. You know, a lot of guys feel good about themselves when suddenly they're giving big presents and whatnot. And while that might be fun, it might behoove a woman to look more closely at the little things. This goes back to the action speaking louder than words. So a guy that is really actually willing to commit and might not stray is less about giving the Tiffany necklace and more about picking up your dry cleaning, mm. you know, or asking about your day and, and following up on, oh, didn't you have a really important meeting with your boss? How did that go, honey? You know, it's paying attention to those little things right. that show he's more invested um, in, in a commitment-minded frame of mind. Yeah, I had this one guy once, um, you know, we were um, hanging out at the pool in Vegas, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I had a blister on my foot, and I needed to pop it. <laughs> uh, yes. And um, and so I said, well, you know, I'm going to go upstairs and get ready to start getting ready for the evening and I'll, you know, see you there later. And he's like, and he was going to stay there at the pool. And then he's like, oh, wait, wait, I have to come upstairs and, and pop your blister. Oh, <laughs> and, and I'm like, I'm like <laughs> that's the truth. I got to say, <laughs> I'm kind of impressed. That's, that's definitely, you know, willing to go above and beyond. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, you know what, I think you've hit it right there. It's like the extra mile, because then we were also, we were in um, Hawaii, and, you know, with the time change, it was actually like, I don't know, five in the morning there, and uh, I and I realized I didn't have a toothbrush. So he got up out of bed and went looking for a toothbrush for me. Wow. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that is absolutely a really good point. I mean, they're more concerned 
about your comfort and you being taken care of than vice versa, which, you know, I mean, and obviously you can nurture and give in the same way, but when they start exhibiting those behaviors that they're like, oh, no, I want her to feel good. She needs to have clean teeth. I need to go find a toothbrush at 5 a.m. Right. That kind of thought process is definitely showing that the person is headed towards a commitment ready frame of mind because they're starting to behave and act like someone who is committed to your well-being. Yeah, and in fact, he was the one who brought up exclusivity himself. I never had to bring it up. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah, so this is a man who is definitely ready to be in that position, and they do exist, I hear Mm -hmm. (laughs) that. They are out there. Yeah, somewhere. We don't know where, but somewhere. (laughs) Um, now, Now, what about healthy jealousy? You mentioned that in the book. Yeah, I love the idea of healthy jealousy because people, you know, most of the time think about jealousy as uh, an egregious thing in a relationship. And actually, there are different gradations of jealousy. And, you know, if a guy is exhibiting, I'm going to throw down and beat up anyone who's in the vicinity that looks at you, jealousy, not good jealousy. That's, you know, he's got a temper, he's he's acting out of fear and other emotions. But Healthy jealousy is, you know, if he sees other guys looking at you and suddenly finds himself feeling a little nervous energy because he realizes he adores you and wants you to remain his, then that can actually be a good step Mm -hmm. towards commitment because the recognition that he has in himself of, wow, oh, wait a minute, I would miss this person if they weren't there is good. And that can go both ways. You know, I mean, sometimes that little bit of jealousy is the thing that, tips the relationship towards commitment because both partners realize, oh, I'm suddenly feeling a little jealous that this person is being talked to by that pretty woman over there, you know, and then you you recognize that you're invested in the relationship beyond just a superficial level. Right. Um, Now let's give the women equal time because there are, of course, women who also have issues with commitment. So what are some signs that a woman may be sabotaging her own life love life yeah you know women unfortunately well i'm sure men too but we've been through it (laughs) you know and there that unfortunately can also start to add some baggage to the situation um so a woman definitely needs to be careful that she's not carrying around all of these you know self-saboteurs underneath her her uh persona that she's giving to the world so um you know there's the the whiner that goes around complaining that all the good ones are taken and she always ends up with the leftovers and the ne'er-do-wells um what she doesn't admit is that she may have a, a penchant for picking those people who basically give her an excuse to avoid commitment mm. you know if, if there's something in her life that keeps her from wanting to commit um that she may not have faced up to yet, she may actually be subconsciously picking inappropriate matches because she needs to deal with some things herself. Um, there's also the perfectionist. You know, no matter how amazing a guy is, she's convinced that the next guy will be better. Mm-hmm. And so she keeps saying, oh, well, you know, he's good, but he doesn't do this, and I really need this guy with this bank account and whatnot. Instead of looking at the relationship that they've got in front of them, you know, and going, well, She'll she'll say, why should I settle for 80% if I could get 100% of what I want? And, you know, that's that's a tricky road because a lot of people, men and women, miss out on what might be a really satisfying relationship because they're holding out for the, you know, McDreamy neurosurgeon or the playboy playmate with the the degree in nuclear physics. Mm -hmm. You know, the reality is, is that somebody may have come along and they just were blinded by it because they got caught up in this more is better mentality. Um, I think that also, you know, there are women that still need to do some growing up as well. The wild child, you know, syndrome. If if you're in that position and, and having a great time with too many men, you may not be ready for a commitment. Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize that before saying I do just because you think that's what you should do. Right. Yeah, and there's a bunch. You mentioned a bunch more uh, in the mm-hmm. book, you know, the the speed dater, the junkie, the critic. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure we can all find ourselves in there. <laughs> uh, you know, and you may be an amalgam of more than one. You know, these are just, these were some basic types. But the, it was important to include in the book, and I was really adamant about this, that 
that women own up to their part of it too. You know, I didn't want this to be man bashing because that's not what this is about. It's owning up to, okay, what's my part in the relationship and am I ready to commit and how do I define it and what am I doing that might be keeping me from finding a commitment-ready man. It might not just be the men that are out there. It might be I'm picking these people subconsciously. So I was really um, adamant about including that section in the book because I think as women it's important we own up to that as well. Yeah, and also I think it's important for uh, women to put the shoe on the other foot, you know, thinking, okay, let's say if the roles were reversed and if it was always the guys who were looking for a commitment and every time we started dating a guy, within a few dates he started talking about commitment, I mean, how would we feel? I mean, I think we'd be turned off too, obviously. Exactly, and I actually had a situation like that with an ex, and I was terrified. I won't lie. <laughs> I mean, like by date three, he was ready to get down on one knee. Ew. And it, it was it was really interesting to be in that situation because I was panicking because <laughs> I liked him. I thought there was potential, but I was in no way, shape, or form ready to marry the dude by the third date. Right. You know, and so it definitely does make you think there are two sides, and there are men that are like, I'm ready to get married now, and they've reached that point, but then you have to wonder, am I just the right person who came along at this moment when their timing has matched up, or is this really somebody who's right for me? You know, those are important things to be aware of because you could end up in the very wrong match if you end up with someone who's just ready to be married then and it was less about you and more about you were the woman that walked in when they <laughs> they decided they were ready. Right. Yeah, which is, I think, what guys are afraid of. Does she really want me or does she just want the ring and the, the house and the picket fence? Exactly, and they do worry about that. And, you know, and granted, there are women out there who want that and are willing to take whatever guy that you know, proposing that and proposing with his proposal, you know, so that's, I mean, they're, they have a legitimate argument too. Now, I think those women may be doing a disservice to those of us that are, you know, trying to actually find a good romantic, solid relationship and match, but maybe not. Maybe that ends up being a relationship that works because a guy is looking for that as well and the woman knows what she can provide him and vice versa and who's to know? Maybe that ends up working for some people. Now, Back to the sex, because you know women often think, oh, for having sex, we're, you know, it means we have enough, we have a commitment. So, what are some reasons that sex really isn't a commitment? Right. You know, um, there's this big problem that women actually think that sex is, well, not always, but frequently they believe that sex is a sign that they're in a committed relationship, and unfortunately. Many times for men, they see sex as just sex. Mm -hmm. So um, the disconnect is that for women, they once they start feeling those happy, feel-good hormones, I mean, oxytocin is rough, people. I know. <laughs> I, trust me, I know. <laughs> I hate that it. That gets in the mix, you're in trouble. <laughs> um, but so the disconnect is when those little happy, feel-good hormones start happening from a a good sexual encounter, we won't say a, a negative one, but no. <laughs> women may start having biological impulses that they're not even aware of that promote attachment. So even if the guy is all wrong for them, they could suddenly think, wait a minute, this is it. This is the one. And it's especially heightened if the guy is good in bed. I mean, that can just really lead you down a, a very <laughs> dangerous path. Mm -hmm. um, but a woman will often think that because there's mutual attraction, it means they're headed towards forever, when for a man, it just might mean that they're headed towards another stack session. So the reality is you need to have other things in play in order for there to actually be uh, a relationship happening. And sex is not a commitment unless you've discussed that you're in a committed relationship that includes sex. Yeah, and I had a discussion with a guy once, actually, you know, he wanted to have sex early on, and I said, well, you know, if I have sex with you, I'm going to start developing feelings for you, and I don't know if I yeah. want to have those feelings until I get to know you better. It's so true, and I actually tried to articulate to this to someone recently, too, and I went so far as to explain, I'm like, look, here's the thing, women <laughs> are programmed, <laughs> so I'm like, the minute we get intimate, I'm going to start having all these crazy feelings about you, whether I like it or not. And it's, it's just true. It's, some of it is our biology that we're programmed to have that nesting impulse. And it's just, you know, it, those hormones get kicked in and you're just feeling all kinds of happy things that may not actually be there. This person may not be the right relationship for you, but 
once you get those hormones involved, you're you're going down that path. And I even said this to a guy. I was like, I'm not sure I want to get oxytocin involved yet. <laughs> right. And he was like, no, let's get it involved. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not sure that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and then you have to go into the whole explanation for anyone that doesn't know what that is. But it's, you know, the, the little hormones that yeah, get kicked in, the love hormones. We know. I've talked about it many times yeah. on the show. Oh, so um, many times? Okay, good. Yeah, and, and, and guys are aware of that because one guy actually said to me, okay, after we have sex, don't change. Change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like sure. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try. Don't change. Don't get involved. And you're like, I'd love to not change, but there also is the reality that I may not be able to control that. <laughs> so, I mean, you can obviously control your reaction, but I think it's important for a woman to know this again is going and know what your commitment goal is, because if you're headed into a relationship and you do get intimate, know that you can be intimate and have or you can be sexual and not have it be intimate, and then you can be intimate and not have it be sexual. I mean, they're, they're both um, sides to that coin. So Yeah, exactly. Okay, so finally, we've talked about all the ways to know a guy doesn't want a commitment. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some ways that we know that he does want a commitment, which I believe you called the real reasons checklist. Um, I'll go through some of these. Right. So he happily... Yeah. Oh, or you want you, you want to start? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. He happily makes yeah. room for you in his life and his home, and he says we a lot. Right. I think that's really important. As soon as a guy shifts from the you and the I to the we, that is showing that he's now thinking of you as a unit. And I think that's, that's an important shift towards commitment because he's putting you guys together, your needs together, and, and lumping you as, as one. Um, now, the next one, okay, he asks your opinion about major things going on in his life. Um, is that always the reason, um, does that always mean commitment, or is it just because he thinks you're smart and he wants your advice? Oh, it's one of the clues. Mm. I mean, obviously, none of these by themselves right. That's mean true. that a man is <laughs> so committed to you. It might be that you're smart and he values that and, and awesome, because that gives a whole different layer to your relationship. So, but that in conjunction with other things could be indicative that he values what you're thinking. Also, if he's asking things about, like, you know, what should I do with my vacation time, he may be trying to suss out what you guys should do together on your vacation time. You know, these may be little questions and and seeing where we're at and are we going to start morphing those things together and, and whatnot. So it may have to do with questions that are less about your intellect or your advice and more to do with how are we going to blend our lives. Uh, now, this next one I love, because I always do this, and I rarely find a guy who does this, and that is he volunteers information like who was on the phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that that uh, one is really important, and I certainly, I had issues with that recently with a guy I was thinking was very, very secretive about everything. And even though they may think it's their business, it breeds insecurity mm-hmm. in women. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who they're talking to or who's texting them at 2 a.m. or, you know, and so when suddenly they're not telling you those things, your mind is going to run rampant and think, oh, wait, is that someone else? You know, I mean, it just, it breeds insecurity, it breeds mistrust, and I think it's important to share those things if, if you're actually working towards the committed relationship. And if he does start sharing them, then it means he's concerned about you not having misconceptions about what he's doing yeah because I mean I just naturally do that um just out of I don't know for me it's politeness if my, my phone rings and right. I need to pick up I go oh that's my girlfriend or oh that's my sister right yeah I would do the same thing I don't know I mean and part of that is also uh, a sign you know men who start sharing their feelings and sharing their lives and what they're talking about that definitely shows they're moving towards commitment ready um women are socialized to be more used to sharing that kind of information, I think. Oh. Um, I, I find I'm an open book. I'll tell anybody. You know, I mean, that may be problematic, but I, I think that there's definitely, uh, it's a clear sign when a guy starts telling you what's going on, who he's talking to, and whatnot, that he's, he's concerned that you know he's being honest and open and is involved. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I hate it because it always seems like you're with someone and then all of a sudden their phone rings or they're getting texts and now they're busy with that. And you're like, what's going on over there? <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it definitely, like I said, it really does breed insecurity because if you sort of picking up their phone and getting in it, then you don't know what's going on. And it makes you feel a little 
uneasy. You know, you want to know that you're you're appreciated and vital and the most important person in his phone. <laughs> exactly. So guys, put your phone on speakerphone when someone calls you and we're around. <laughs> or at least, you know, show me who's called or show me the text or, you know, that's another good way to do it too. I've had that happen where someone was like, oh, look, I got this text, and, you know, and it made me feel better because he turned his phone around and showed it to me. Right. And then there was no longer a question and we moved on with our dinner. <laughs> Yes, as opposed to if a guy gets a phone call, he doesn't answer, but then he suddenly has an excuse to go up to his car. <laughs> yeah, that would probably not be a very good sign. <laughs> yeah. Ladies, I would question that one big time. <laughs> like, oops, I forgot to get something. Hold on, I'll be right back. Yeah, and comes back half an hour yeah, later. Yeah, as if. <laughs> or suddenly he has to go to the bathroom when he just went two minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of lists at the end in the uh, appendix of the ways that you can tell that a guy's ready for a commitment. So, uh, thank like, you. You know, independently, they're, they're, you know, questionable, but put enough of them together and you can feel pretty secure that you might be moving in the direction of commitment. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Kimberly, for being on the show today. It was great. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was fun to discuss this subject with you. Yeah. So, um, again, the book is The Real Reasons Men Commit, and um, you can find that, uh, of course, at realreasonscommit.com. And what was the name of the other website you mentioned earlier? Uh, dating Diva Daily. It's all kinds of fun advice for women dating, and uh, datingdivadaily.com. Check it out. Okay, great. Uh, thanks again, and take care. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Have a great night. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay. Now we know everything we need to know about commitment, and if a guy's writing, there's no excuse to uh, to not know, right? <laughs> okay. And um, I'd like to remind you again, my website is theartoflove.net, and as I said, you can find the link to my new web TV show airing this Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 2.30 p.m., Eastern Time. My book is Lucia's Lessons of Love, and that is at lessonsoflove.net. Thank you so much for joining me today, and until next time, remember that love inspires, empowers, uplifts, and enlightens. You're listening to The Art of Love with your host, Lucia, right here on LA Talk Radio.